Let us pray. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks. We have this chance to honor you. We give you thanks. This chance we have to hear you. We give you thanks for your word. God, guide us. May we hear you tonight. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Good evening, friends, and welcome once again uh, to Scripture Talk. Um, I am Pastor Trey Comstock. With me as ever is Go Brandy. I'm Sister Brandy. Go team. Go Scott. <laughs> Pastor Scott Ketchot. Good to be here tonight. And go Stacy. I am Stacy Tyler. So glad you are. Um, <laughs> and this is um, probably the only show you're going to hear tonight that is not going to talk about the election. Uh, so hopefully, that's good. Hopefully, uh, you know we. Well, we could talk. Never mind. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I guess I, I will say the thing I, I have been saying um, for months, and that is simply. Go vote, friends. Um, it is uh, obviously November the 2nd uh, when we are recording this. I don't know when you'll listen to this. If it is sometime before polls close on November the 3rd when you hear this and you have not voted, go vote. Participate in our democracy. Um, uh, we all need to do our part, um, certainly to make our country what it, what it needs to be, but also uh, our vote is one powerful way that we can be a part of about bringing about God's world. It is a tool that we have been handed uh, to seek after the will of God. Um, that's all I'll say. Now on to scripture, because it's a lot more interesting. Um, uh, it is called scripture talk, by the way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is scripture talk. Look, I mean, it, weirdly, this text is... Like, government comes up in the text. Um, I'm not making that part up. Um, it is uh, Matthew uh, chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere, and teach the way of God in accordance with truth, and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this, and whose title? They answered, The Emperor's. Then he said to them, Give, therefore, to the Emperor the things that are the Emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him, and they went away. Mic drop. Yeah, mic drop. Yeah. yeah. You, you gotta love that. They, uh... You know, they think they got him. They think they got him. They don't got him. They don't got him. But also... And, and what's interesting in this is something... <coughs> I, I was just say something interesting here that you kind of... It kind of gets missed uh, because we're not real familiar with the things is how big of a trap it was trying to be set up yes. for him. I mean, you have... The, the Pharisees and the Herodians do not get along. And yet they're coming together to try to trap Jesus in this thing of catching him up with, okay, well, if he answers in this way, then we can hit him up with not sharing with the sovereignty of God over Israel. 
But if he answers the other way, we can get him in trouble with Rome. So we've got him caught between a rock and a hard spot. It's perfect. Well, and it's really rich, particularly coming from the Herodians, to be like, do you follow the emperor? That Herod is literally only in place as a ruler in Judea because Herod is supported by the emperor, right? So, like, the emperor is certainly getting his from Herod and the Herodians. The Pharisees are, are, are interesting in the other way because they are deeply skeptical Pharisees as a movement more generally, or as we've talked about in the sermon yesterday, that was yesterday, right? I've slept since then. Um, That the Pharisees are deeply critical of the Herodians and of the temple hierarchy because they are so, you know, in bed with, so connected to um, the evil emperor that is Rome. And so, the, yeah, Scott, as you put it, like these are deeply unlikely friends that represent two real ends of a spectrum um, for Judaism in uh, first century Judea. The Herodians saying, uh, "We're gonna do, we're gonna show, we're gonna, we're gonna be the best Roman province we can be. Uh, we're gonna be so good at being a Roman province. We're gonna make the emperor love us." And the Pharisees saying, "One of the things that's deeply wrong with Judaism right now is it's so into the emperor." And the one thing they can agree on is that they don't like Jesus. Or that Jesus right. challenges them both for different reasons. It's kind of like the old saying, my, my enemy's enemy is my friend. Yeah, and I mean, that's where the the Gospels do that a lot, and we just don't realize that's what they're doing, right? When, like, Pharisees and Sadducees get lumped together, your ears yeah. should go up, right? Because Sadducees are a part of the temple hierarchy, um, getting rich off the people and, in you know— you know, kind of bowing down to Rome um, and not just to God. And the Pharisees hate literally all of that and want everyone to follow the law with really strict adherence. And yet they come together and are, you know, both become enemies of Jesus. Same here with the Pharisees and the Herodians. Uh, Same with the idea of, you know, the Pharisees and the chief priests, right? All of these we, we often just lump, okay, they're all Jews, therefore they all go in the Jews bucket. But also remember, at this point, all of the Christians are Jews too. Everyone's a Jew in this story. Um, and so Judaism in the first century was not one thing. It was a whole bunch of things and kind of ends up being five things. Um, one is Pharisees, which kind of live on in a real way to this day, um, as Orthodox Judaism is largely derived from the Pharisees fun fact. Um, The Sadducees, which represents the temple hierarchy. Um, uh, The weirdos out in the desert in Qumran that write the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, And we've got uh, the fourth thing, which are the Christians. We're the other thing um, that represents Judaism of the time. And none of these groups um, uh, agree. None of these groups get along. Um, But it ends up in the case, certainly what Matthew's gospel wants us to know is that it ends up being, there is this split in Judaism um, that is happening between the Christians um, and all of these other factions who are for one reason or another uh, disturbed or disrupted or impacted by what Christ is doing. You know, in a lot of ways it comes across, um, you, you want to think that they're, they're all acting out of good intentions like Paul did when he was on the wrong side. But the more you read, the more you look at it, 
those in power really seem to be afraid of losing said power. And yeah. so it comes about being more political than religious in the way that they're just trying to squash this because the people are believing and the people that, you know, and, and, and they're at least being challenged by what he's saying. And they're just like, um, no. Uh, and, and this is earlier than what the text preached on uh, yesterday. And so you just see how that uh, builds when you get to that point of where he's just talking to the people about the scribes and Pharisees and saying, no, they're right in what they're teaching you, but they're not living up to what they're claiming. And they're so desperate uh, in trying to get him in trouble, afraid of losing their power, that two enemies come together to plot against him and stuff, and it just gets turned back on their face. I think it's so funny. Well, yeah. and, and, and the Pharisees in particular, right, should, should be natural allies of Christians. What the Pharisees are putting out there and what Jesus is putting out there in terms of what they are saying out loud is not all that different, right? You think of the content of the Sermon on the Mount. So the content of the Sermon on the Mount takes all of these things handed down um, in the old, what we would call the Old Testament law, what was simply the Torah then, um, and saying yes and more so, right? You have heard it said, um, uh, you should, um, you know, uh, you know, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say, love your enemy. You have heard it said, um, uh, you shall not uh, commit adultery. I say, you shouldn't even commit adultery in your mind, right? Mm -hmm. What Jesus is doing throughout the Sermon on the Mount and, and other places in his in his earthly preaching is saying, you have heard this thing in the law, okay? Yeah, totally. Actually, it's even more so than you thought it was. And the whole thesis statement of the Pharisees is we're going to get so good at following the law that we're never going to go into exile again. So you yeah. would think that Jesus and the Pharisees would be natural allies because they both go, you have heard what God, you, you think you know what God means. God actually means it even more so. But they, they split in terms of the how do you do it. So what Christ would say is, come to me. I will fill you with my spirit and I will make you, I will set you free and make you able to do it. You can't do it on your own, but if you come to me, you can do it. And what the Pharisees would say is tie on more weight, brother. We're going to push on through this, right? That like, <laughs> you know, that, that you can, you just got to try it. You just got to keep trying harder. You can't do it. Try harder. Why can't you do it? Try even harder. And what Jesus says is no, you can't, and, and I know you can't, and I'm going to give you a new way to do it. And, and I wonder how much that that in of itself is what plays into their issue with Jesus, as that they have built their uh, prestige upon how well they keep the law. And yes. Jesus shows up and says, no, none of us can keep it, which and, therefore and means can, they have not been you, keeping it. Right. Yeah. Well, because they have gotten really good at keeping the detail of the law, but not the spirit of the law. Right. If indeed the law and the prophets can be boiled down to love God, love neighbor, like they've done a lot. They have ordered their lives 
in order to honor God, right? In how they wash their hands, in how they eat their food, in how they go about every aspect of their daily life is centered on honoring God. But they've ended up in this place where they end up super judgmental of neighbor and end up not loving their neighbor as they should. Right? They get so focused on the detail that they can't see the forest for the trees. And what Jesus says is, I'm less worried about the detail. I'm not going to tell you how to wash, specifically how to wash your hands, or specifically how to harvest your grain, or specifically how long the fringe of your robe is to be. Like, I don't care about that. Well, you know, as Paul puts it in Romans, like, it's about a circumcised heart, not a circumcised whatever. Yeah. And, whatever normally and you know, gets circumcised. Yeah. You know, um, looking back at our uh, verse, well, I, I think part of that plays into the fact of they think they have the perfect trap because they can't see how it can be both. Right. You know, they, they, they don't see a separation of how it's called. Yeah. God is calling them to live out his laws in the world that they're in. And so that's one of the things like, you know, the, the, the verse, the rendering that we read today used uh, give. I've seen yes. it give back and even the word render. And, and in sure. the Greek, it kind of is that way to give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, give back to God what is God's, this idea of, well, where's it coming from? And when you look at the fact that everyone has a stamp of stuff from God, then everyone has that to give back. And only those that are under the Roman Empire are dealing with the other aspect. But yet the Christian and the godly calling is to, as was part of the law, to honor those in authority as well. We're just following the rules. We're just following the rules of government because if you fast forward to Romans chapter 13, verse 7, it says, get to everyone what you owe them, if you owe taxes, pay taxes, their revenue, their revenue. I mean, you give them what, what you owe them. Sure. So there's a couple things here. One is, this is so much bigger than Rome, right? The Pharisees yeah. in particular, um, and, and this is what leads to the Jewish revolt in 70 and the destruction of the temple, right? They want to make this whole thing. That all that, that that this whole story of what's happening in Judaism, in God's people, is about the Roman Empire. And what Jesus is essentially saying is, no, this is about so much more than the Roman Empire. This is kind of like, what is Caesar? Like, who cares? Pay Caesar his <laughs> petty little taxes. Whatever. That was... That doesn't even matter. Everything belongs to God, right? In some ways, this is saying, yeah, yeah, you can pay your taxes. You know, we're not even worried about that. This is so much bigger than any one earthly government uh, because everything belongs to God. Now, there is an under, there is in the Bible, not here, but in Romans, there is some understanding that like, yeah, 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 do whatever you need to do to maintain your civic life. You know, don't get busted. You know, don't get busted for tax fraud on God's behalf. That's a real great way to get yourself pulled out of the game. But there is certainly a scriptural understanding that, like, we should be whole. And this is, I guess, where secular earthly politics leak into it a little bit. It's like we should still, as Christians, you know, keep our Christianity about ourselves as we look at the kind of leaders we want for our lives, we want for our countries, we want for our people, right? That like, yeah, by all means, follow Caesar, but eventually the Roman Empire falls um, for a reason, right? Uh, yeah, and uh, another thing that's interesting in this little 
play to trap him is, uh, if I remember correct, it's earlier in Matthew that Jesus paid his own taxes yes. by getting a coin from a fish. That's right. So, so it's like, you know, we can live our civic duty because guess what? God will take you take care of that as well. Right. And, and one of the, like, one of the, wor- certainly one of the worries that the Romans had about Christians, and this is where Paul, this is kind of where, what one of the things that Paul is doing in Romans and elsewhere is trying, and, and Luke is do, trying to do, Luke reminds us in Acts, is that Christians can be Roman citizens, right? There is not an incompatibility yeah. between being a Christian and being a Roman citizen or being a citizen of any secular nation. Instead, it is just about where is your first allegiance, right? That doesn't mean Christians don't vote. Christians should vote, but they should keep God in mind when they do vote. It's not that Christians shouldn't pay taxes. It's just they should also give into God's causes and try and shape the politics of the nation they are in to look more like how God would want that money to be used. It doesn't mean disengage from the life of a secular nation uh, or a religious nation, whichever you version you find yourself in. Um, but it is understanding where your first allegiance is and understand that what, however we interact with a, with a country, with a citizenry, um, we are part of a much bigger story that's bigger than any Caesar, that's bigger than any empire, that's bigger than any nation. Yeah. Um, it is that everything belongs to God, including Rome, including the United States, including whatever, because everything belongs to God. And, and so out of that, you know, our relationship with God, its intended purpose is to make us more like Jesus, ergo making us better people, which should make us better citizens of whatever country we're in, theoretically. Yeah, theoretically, right? Because, you know, theoretically, any system of government... Now, this breaks down. um, I understand. I have a degree in political science. This breaks down, but theoretically, uh, government and governance exists simply to be the switching board um, uh, to make sure that people don't run into each other. Right. If you think of like what a, you know, how a train switching system works, right, that exists so that the trains go hurtling down the tracks at 70 miles an hour don't suddenly meet a uh, short, sharp, short, sharp shock in the, in, on the front of another train. Right. And so theoretically, government and governance exists simply to manage, uh, manage the issues of thousands and millions and billions of people all trying to live together. But all governments theoretically exist to serve and provide a service to their citizenry um, and, and thus can be used uh, for God's purpose. Um, it is uh, evil, unfortunately, uh, leaks in, and so you end up with emperors that declare themselves God kings, and you end up with, yeah. you know, d- bad and evil things that governments have often, have often done. But the simple concept of governance is just the way for a lot of, uh, you need some help for millions of people to live in community, right? We couldn't, we probably wouldn't make it as a people if it was legal to blow through town driving at 150 miles an hour, right? We just wouldn't make it very far. 
Um, and like, you know, you need someone who can say, no, this is your side of the property line and this is your side of the property line. Because if, if there isn't an independent mediator to figure that out, it gets handled with handguns and that's probably not healthy for the long-term future, right? Um, it's that like we let humanness and evil creep into governance. And I, again, I, I am not speaking politically. I'm speaking from the fact that we are all fallen humanity, whether we are talking yeah. about modern-day Rome or modern-day Anderson County, like, I'm sorry, <laughs> humanness and brokenness leak into that sometimes. Um, more, sometimes, Take your pick how often, occasionally. Um, <laughs> but we should, we should, as good Christians, be a part of making sure that our society does not dissolve into utter chaos. Which kind of then there's a question that uh, maybe in some ways uh, God's, you know, obviously uh, should be subject to God's calling on your life, but Christians need to be active in the political realms where they live uh, because that's part of being active in the community and helping see the community grow. Well, and, and, and part of, of how you can seek to, you know, if you keep praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Okay, so, like, how do you do that on earth, right? This is one of those, like, my great, my great frustration. Okay, so there's a time in my life I was, you know, deeply involved in many communities of millennial activists, um, which is just <laughs> fun. Um, I don't recommend it for anyone's long-term health and well-being, but, you know, it was the, you know, mid to, mid to late 2000s, and I... I'm a weirdo. Anyways, and I was like, oh no, man, I don't, I want the world to be different. I'm like, yeah, rad. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna occupy Wall Street. What? Hold on, hold the phone. What? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna like show them. And I'm like, I'm gonna go teach. That's what I'm gonna do. Right? Like, this is being, like, actually actively being involved not just in praying but in taking action and sometimes that means taking action in a secular world rather than just like sitting back and going not you should pray for peace and pray for justice and pray for god's kingdom to come and god's will to be done i'm literally going to do that in 12 hours right 12 hours from now i'm going to be sitting doing morning prayer and on that list um especially on election day will be prayers for justice prayers for peace and ending with the lord's prayer Absolutely. But that should then lead us to participate in a way that we are letting God move through us and thus God move through the world. And sometimes and then too, to... go ahead, Randy. And then too, the government was placed by God himself, and there's proof of that. Romans thirteen, one and two said that everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no uh, no authority except that which God has established. And basically, yeah, and, and God put it there. So if we go against the government, we're going against God. So yeah, we, okay, but yeah, but I, so I'm gonna problematize. I'm gonna problematize that a little bit, Brandy. Right. Oh, all right. Um, so yes, and sometimes they misuse the power that God has given them, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, oppressive governments uh, for millennia have been using that verse. You see, you can't fight me. God put me here. Really? Louis the 14th? 
God puts you there? <laughs> Louis the really, Louis. God put God put you there. That's an interesting read. Right. So th- this this is why it cuts both ways. Right? This is part of why we need to participate in government to make sure that government does in fact use correctly the authority God has given them. There's no doubt mm-hmm. that no no authority comes except by God. And so that means secular authorities have a level of divine authorization. But this is that scripture is what led to the divine right of kings in the mm-hmm. Middle Ages and the Renaissance in Europe. And that's real dangerous. Um and so it is not that that I, I obviously it's scripture. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's not true. But we need to be really careful in how we approach that because a lot of really bad people have taken that exact line of thinking and gone, I can do whatever I want, fool. You're going to worship my morning poop. Literally thing that Louis XIV did. That's not a, it is a joke, but that it's a really a thing. Louis XIV developed a ceremony where his morning bowel movement would be carried through the halls of Versailles Palace um, to be disposed of, and everyone would have to stop and um, and honor the poop. That's oh, he on crack. That's all that is. He's on his stuff. And he used Romans <laughs> thirteen one through two to justify it. Oh, is that where they come up? Is that come up where they say, have the saying, uh, "Your poop don't stink"? No, I think that's Ooh. Kim Jong Un. Um, yeah, I, I think that's poop. where they get the uh, holy s from. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Uh, so, good one. Good one. Again, we we sh- we can't let Romans thirteen one and two say that we should never challenge unjust governments. But yeah. what it should say is, is that fundamentally the role of a government in our lives is perhaps a part of God's plan for God's people. God just has always desired to be the head of that government, right? God never wanted, never really wanted there to be a king over Israel. Um, mm-hmm. God did that um, because that's what the people thought they wanted in part to show them how bad a king is going to be. Read the scriptures in First uh, and Second Samuel where God talks about the establishment of a king and where God goes, shrug? Um, it, like, if God wrote an emoji, which thankfully God doesn't do, it would actually be a, sh- would be a crown emoji and a shrug emoji. That's, the, that, that's like First Samuel, is crown emoji, shrug emoji. Because it's going, uh, and, then, and, and then the emoji with the woman covering her eyes, uh, then that emoji, right? That that. By the way, that's the book of First Samuel. Crown emoji, shrug emoji, woman covering her eyes emoji. Um, uh, I think I told you, also, you so. You can also tell the story of David and uh, David and Bathsheba with emoji, um, and it is woman in the red dress emoji um, and eggplant emoji, uh, oh and God. then baby emoji, and then death emoji. Right. We ought to do that one time. <laughs> yeah. Tell, start telling the book of Sa- the books of Samuel in nothing but emoji. That sounds great. Okay. There's a couple of yeah. actually interesting things in the chat that are not told, thankfully, in emoji. Um, <laughs> sometimes unjust needs to be challenged. If our forefathers didn't challenge it, then we wouldn't be the country we are now. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is like we have to hold in balance the fact that secular governance derives its authority from God. 
And sometimes secular governance misuses that power in a way that needs to be held accountable. And the other thing um, from Joe, if you want change, you have to be the change. Yeah, one of my, you know, my quotes, which I think is Gandhi, is be the change you want to see in the world. Um, they're not wrong. Um, if you, I guess to phrase it in, in, in slightly add a Christian spin to it, like um, if you want uh, God to change the world, be a part of God changing the world, right? Let the Holy yeah. Spirit move in you. Um, there we go. Yes. Crown emoji, shrug <laughs> emoji, the hiding the eyes emoji. Thank you, Joe. Yes, um, Joe! <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the story of King Saul, is crown emoji, shrug emoji, see no evil emoji. It's awesome. I think that is, is probably a good place uh, to bring this in for a landing. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Um, I, I guess I thought this wasn't going to be about the election and I don't know why I didn't, why I thought that because it is literally about human Rome. And so what I would say is answer the call of this scripture, go vote. Yeah. Go vote. Go vote. Um, because God is bigger than any nation, um, but God is moving in this nation. Um, and so let us all be a part of the movement of God in the world, um, and use one of the tools we have, uh, to build God's kingdom. Um, uh, vote, friends, um, and uh, as you do it, um, pray um, and that God Amen. show you uh, God's wisdom in that moment of what God uh, is calling us to do and be um, in this season as a nation. Uh, we will be back uh, next week. Um, if you have feedback for us, please, 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 um, you can leave a comment here on Facebook. Um, you can also join us live. Uh, we record live Mondays at 6 o'clock. Um, you can leave it in emoji uh, or not, and we'll read them both. <laughs> um, you can leave a comment over on our YouTube channel. Um, you can uh, leave a comment on our website, uh, palestinegrace.com slash video. You can email us, uh, gracechurchpalestine at gmail.com. If you're looking for an audio-only version of the show, just search Scripture Talk by Grace Church in your podcatcher of choice, and we will be back one week from now uh, for some more Scripture Talking. So go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And Fear not. Stay well. God is with us. I like how the light moves. Next week, we should try telling the story of the book of Esther using only emoji. Oh, there we go. That also involves woman in red dress emoji. (laughs) 